0: The Assistant Referee Bonus Certification Program is now online. available at ar.howtoplayquidditch.org. A complete textbook is already available and training program is currently being built. Additional information is also available with resources for anyone who wants to learn how to be a better assistant referee. If you complete the certification exam and if you complete field tests, then you will be eligible for additional compensation at all ABC compliant tournaments. Again, that's ar Now on to the podcast. Hey Peter, help! Ah! Hello, and welcome back to the How to Play Quidditch Podcast. I'm your host Alejo Enriquez. I'm very excited today to be talking in a minute with uh, someone who has been playing beater for a long time and has a very technical mind uh, when it comes to playing the position of beater because uh, as you may be familiar, Quidditch is a very complex sport and the beating game in particular can get incredibly complicated and I think there's a lot of development that uh, basically just about anyone can uh, go through while learning the sport of Quidditch and especially the beater position. I've already talked earlier with Michael Duquette on the subject, but I wanted to get more into the advanced nuances and the, of uh, the technique and strategy and the positioning, uh, and so I'm very excited today to be joined by none other than he has played beater for UTSA and also for Texas Hill Country Heat. He is Jonathan Garcia. Thanks for coming on the show, Jonathan.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Um, Jonathan, we actually played together on uh, Fantasy Team a year ago, wasn't it? On, uh, what was it?
1: It was the Fire Nation, yeah.
0: Fire Nation, yeah. I still have that shirt. That's one of my favorite shirts. I painted Fire yeah, Nation Yeah, I know. I, yeah,
1: it's, a, it's in my closet, too. I like looking at it from time to time. Yes. It's a nice shirt.
0: Yes, that was fun. I painted Fire Nation into it from Avatar Live. Last Airbender on the on the front that was fine. Um, oh god, it's so good. <laughs> uh, good times. So, uh, so in order to uh, let me and the audience get to know you a little better, better Jonathan, I was hoping I could ask you some que- personal questions up front.
1: Yeah, sure, go for it.
0: Great. All right. So, first question: um, What is uh, a moment of personal triumph for you in Quidditch, and it can be you know on or off the pitch, but something relating to Quidditch?
1: Well, the first thing that comes to my mind whenever I think of personal triumph is definitely when UTSA went four and zero at nationals in pool play, and our last game was against Mizzou, and we were down thirty in regular time, pulled the snitch to go into OT, and then pulled the snitch in OT to win the game, and uh, that was definitely um, that was pretty much on the backs of me and my beater buddy Daniel, uh, because obviously without us, our secret David wouldn't wouldn't have been able to pull safely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you guys play. I've seen, I watched you guys play Mizzou at Alamo Cup, and I've seen you guys play a lot. Yeah. Your u beaters are always really active, especially Snitch on Pitch.
1: Yeah. I mean, um,. I've trained a majority of the beaters for a couple of years now, so I mean, it's a, it's a good thing that we're pretty good on such a pitch. Or else, you know, that would all fall on my shoulders. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you know, credit's all right to take a little credit where credit is due. Yeah, you guys played lights out at uh, um, yeah at, at nationals this last year. It was really impressive. All right, that's a good. Um, uh, next question. Um, what is a uh, what's the most epic quidditch thing you've seen that you weren't personally involved in you could have been reffing or on the sidelines or on film but something you amazing that you weren't actively a part of
1: um i don't really know if i've seen anything quote unquote like super epic but i do remember this one awesome moment at nationals last year in florida um i was watching uh the bosnian bear sharks against the um, against bc yeah no yeah boston quidditch yeah boston quidditch uh, PC, and yeah. um this yeah, QCB, yeah, thank you. And uh, the seeker for bazi and Bear Sharks, um, this was an pitch, obviously, he went over the seeker, um... Pulled the snitch and the seeker. Um, I'm sorry. I get I get that mixed up consistently. This uh, the snitch pushed him up and over, and the and the seeker still had um had a, a hold of the snitch, and he fell on the ground back first. And he just like raised his arm in the air with the the snitch in his hand, and the crowd went just wild. It was amazing. <laughs> oh
0: man. Oh, I, th- I think I know what you're talking about. That was David Fox, right? I think yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Osney. Oh man. God, that was
1: such a good catch. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> yeah, just just long, long arms. <laughs> oh man. Like
1: the fact like the most uh the most impressive part was that he was able to hold on to the to the snitch after being thrown like up and over the, the snitch, like and not and, like and still retaining the uh possession as he fell down. That was the cool part.
0: <laughs> yeah, the seeker position. Like just like in Harry Potter, there's a lot of glory and a lot of personal bodily risk involved, <laughs> for sure. Oh man! Hey man, <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do, right?
1: Got gotta do it. Got you yeah. for the team.
0: <laughs> Heck yeah! All right, third question: Who's someone that you look up to in Quidditch, in in some way?
1: Um. Well, so is, is it okay if I answer this from whenever I first started playing?
0: Heck yeah! I think that's a good one. Okay.
1: Okay, so whenever I first started playing Quidditch, yeah, about four years ago or so, the person that I looked up to the most, um, was probably um oh my god, what was his name? Uh, Drew was it Wasikowski or Wasikowski. whatever? Yeah, from, yeah, from uh from uh, LSQC. Mm-hmm. Um like when I first started playing, I was like, Wow, like that guy is so good, like he's you know He's a great chaser. He's a great keeper. He's a good beater. I mean, like, he can do it all. But, um, you know, he retired, like, from Quiddas, like, shortly after that year, right? Um, He hasn't played since. I, th-
0: uh, I know he played in World Cup 8. He's in that, uh, he- he's in that highlight reel, I think, right? Uh, but I yeah, know, yeah, yeah, that was, was
1: the first, first, that was my first World Cup that I went to. Yeah. I guess, technically, we call it U.S. Cup. Well, not, US you know,
0: C- it was World Cup at the time, yeah. But yeah, it, really yeah. Was it was just U.S. Nationals, mostly. U.S. Nationals and friends. Um, but yeah, I think and heard Yeah, like two or three years ago now.
1: Yeah, so that was the first person that I looked up to. Um, as of right now, I don't really think I have any quote unquote role models or people that I look up to. Um, I mean, I have a lot of people that I respect. Um, but not anyone like man. I wish I can be as good as them because you know I I feel like I'm a pretty good player myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that makes sense. You know, you definitely reached the highest level of. Quidditch play, I mean, I can just tell, um, you know, from watching you play. Because, and unfortunately, I don't remember if I played against you very much. I know, I know, Storm and Outlaws played, um, but uh, I don't. Well, you weren't at TSL L two, but I think we played against you last summer. And <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, uh,
1: yeah. Last summer, I think was when I finally put all the pieces together um, for beating, and I kind of morphed it into like, this once kind of. I don't want to call it, like, the end-all, be-all, but it's a very common, very safe way of beating. And uh, and I think that just being consistent is way better than being flashy. Because, you know, if you're flashy and you mess up, well, then obviously you're just going to lose the game. But if you're consistent, I feel like you have a better chance at winning.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching you play last summer and uh, at A-Thanacy Tournament and at TSL. And I remember particularly being struck by your stance. I think, actually, I tried to... I think like, I mean, I know a lot about uh, stance and footwork and from karate and stuff, but you were kind of on another level and I felt like, oh man, you know, I like, it's so, o- it's so obvious because <laughs> I know your footwork's always been very impressive to me.
1: Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right. So if, uh, if the listener hasn't figured it out yet, we are here to talk today about beating. Um, cause that's, uh, Jonathan's specialty. Have you played beater the whole time or did you start it at Chaser? Cause I know a lot of teams start everyone at Chaser.
1: No, I've, I've been a beater since the very beginning of my Quidditch days. Um, I wanted to play Chaser cause, uh, that seemed more my, uh, my style at the time, but, back then utsa was like hey we need a third beater it'd be really cool if you could help because you played baseball before and you know how to throw and i was like okay fine i guess that makes sense so i was kind of like pushed into beating and i've I've, I've been stuck there ever since but that's okay that's all right
0: (laughs) that that is funny speaking of baseball that was one of the first things i wanted to talk with you about was um throwing the ball because uh as, as I think anyone who's watched Quidditch for a while knows, the biggest part, or at least the most obvious part of being a beater is throwing. And if you have, did you play pitcher or did you play um, uh, like uh, the other positions? What did you play in baseball?
1: I, I played pitcher at third base.
0: Okay. Um, so, as a, a pitcher in particular, as anyone knows, baseball has to have, in order to, to survive and, and become a great pitcher, has to have a, an arsenal. Would you say that there's an arsenal of different types of throws in, for beating?
1: Um, I'm gonna say yes and no. Uh, it's not like you can throw a curveball with the bludger, like <laughs> obviously, because that that'd be that'd be insane. Um, I would just I would just quit quidditch if you could do that to me. Like if you got me with the curveball bludger, I'd be like, okay, cool, you win. I just I quit. Um, but I I think that um the most important thing uh for with. In relation to throwing as a beater is just getting that um the release time um because people have huge wind-ups whenever they throw and that's so obvious as, a, as an opposing beater to figure out when they're going to throw it um because if you mix up the timing in which you throw you'll throw them off guard not necessarily the the types of throws that you throw i don't want to say throw too much right like mm-hmm. um but like the, the types of throws, like, oh, like, I'm going to throw underhand, I'm going to throw sidearm, I'm going to throw overhand, like, that's all fine, but if you if you vary the the timing, right, like, I'm going to take one extra second to throw, or rather, like, I'm going to pump fake first and throw, mm-hmm. that'll really throw off, like, you know, 90 plus percent of every beater, because everyone is so used to just running and gunning, you know, throw immediately, get as fast as possible, that uh, you know, it just, it turns into a very obvious playing style, and I don't like to do that.
0: Mm. That's interesting. So would you say that maybe if someone's like I'm sure at first when when you're learning how to throw you just the basics have just had to do with, you know, getting your 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 hip and shoulder and elbow into the throw and stuff. But once yeah, you yeah. Mass, once you master that would you say it actually is beneficial to to not only to refine your throw so you can throw faster but also sometimes throw slower? Is that what you're kind of getting at? That's interesting.
1: Um not not uh No, 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 not really throw slower. I I feel like it's more just, like, um, like, as I said, it's about, it's about the time, it's about, uh, the release speed. So, like, how fast you can get your arm in that cock position and then get that arm from the cock position and throwing it. Um, the faster you can do that, uh you know, the the more success you'll have as a beater because, like I said, people have giant wind-ups, right, where they take it all the way back and they bring it all the way over their, their head and they throw, but um if you just have it kind of like in that, that half position where it's yeah. already kind of above your head or, ne- or rather next to your head and you whip that, and you whip the ball from that position in front of you quickly, then you're going to beat out that guy that takes forever to throw it. Mm-hmm. Um So, I mean, I guess you really need to have a a good understanding of how you need to throw so that you don't mess up your shoulder or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, right? Because you just you don't want to be whipping yeah. balls from a specific uh, standpoint and then over time just blows out your shoulder.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely shoulder and my my elbow gets a little sore when I throw a lot. I probably wear a brace for it. It's probably because I'm not quite doing it perfectly, <laughs> um, most likely.
1: I mean, I don't know. I feel like everyone has their own style of throwing because, you know, in baseball, you have the submarine pitches. You have the sidearm pitches. You have pitchers that go – um, that release from, like, the 45-degree angle, right? You have pitches that release from more of, like, the 65-degree. The so, like, I mean, people yeah. have their own style of throwing. It's more just like, I don't know, the, the correct mechanics, I suppose.
0: Would you advocate for someone to – For example, I've noticed some people throw more overhand than others. I think I kind of go at about a 45 maybe, but I've seen some people throw basically overhand, like straight over. Would you advocate for people to try the different ones uh, to see what works best or is it kind of just be whatever your body style just kind of goes with or would you say it makes a difference? Um.
1: Uh, in relation to just beating, you know, in quidditch, I think that trying any other style of throwing is definitely not a good idea because you have to understand um if you miss a beat, right? Which obviously, you know, who who misses beats nowadays, obviously. Uh, like we always we always get beats 100% of the time, which is, <laughs> you know, obviously a lie, but you know, whatever. Um <laughs> No, like, if you were to ever hypothetically miss a beat, depending on how you throw that ball, that ball is either going to go five feet in front of you and kind of, kind of, you know, bounce a stop, or it's going to go, you know, three pitches over, and you are super screwed because, <laughs> you know, you have to go and get it and right run all the way back. Yeah. So um, trying to vary how you throw is probably going to be a bad idea in a majority of the situations. Um only because on, like I said, it's about being consistent. You don't want to miss, and then that ball go forever in a ways, and you have to go run and get it, and then your team is SOL. Um, so sense. I think throwing, yeah, I think throwing from a more like um, over, uh, yeah, from like a more over your shoulder and down into the. I don't want to say down into the ground because I don't. I don't want to make it seem like you're throwing the ball into the ground, but releasing from a high, um, from a high point and kind of snapping your your wrist and your arm down towards the ground so that you have that that arc from, like, a, you know, a high to low sequence. Yeah. Um, so that if you beat them on, like, the foot or something, it'll hit the foot, hit the ground, lose lose the momentum because it's, you know, the friction uh, coming into contact with the ground causing friction, and then it won't go as far, Got which it. is something that you want, yeah.
0: That makes sense. So, so but I was saying, like, I guess I was thinking about in practice when you're starting to, like, practice beating more, like experimenting with the angle um, you know would you you would say maybe practice trying to throw from a more overhead because I mean when you're passing a quaffle it can be the same throw but it often isn't like if you want a lot more yeah. backspin on a, on a pass for a quaffle usually than for mm-hmm. than a bludger. Um, yeah for sure so but yeah definitely I, I agree in games you probably shouldn't Now's a bad time to to improvise to experiment you know, like mm-hmm. unless things are truly desperate, like someone's sitting on you and you're still trying to make a beat or something out that you don't normally practice.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that that's fine, right? Like in those those small scramble situations where, like, you know, blood is on the ground, people are running, you know, over yeah. you. Yeah, just grab a ball and throw it right. If you if you get a beat, you know, that's 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 good enough. That's all we're asking for. We but actually, in a, yeah.
0: I was gonna say that's we cool. actually we actually practice that. Um, we uh, with our beaters, we actually do something called ninja duel. Where people stand back to back, close their eyes, take two steps, and then someone else, other people, like put the bludgers around them in places they don't know, and then they just like go, and they just have to beat each other out. Helps train their reaction times. Um, That's not a
1: bad idea. I like that.
0: <laughs> it's. I mean, it's just one piece of the game. It just kind of shortens your reaction time to wait. There's a bludger on the ground and an enemy beater three feet away. <laughs> Quick. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, um but yeah, definitely that, that scramble is definitely a little different from kinda of, I actually I was listening to a podcast a while ago and there was a discussion about um uh basketball and its equivalences to NBA basketball and its equivalences to Quidditch and someone asked what is there like an equivalent to a hot streak where like the three point shooters are just on fire. You know on Golden State they just they just hit mm-hmm. like buckets after buckets from three and, like, man, they're on fire. And someone asked, like, is there a equivalent equation? I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm interested in your opinion on this, I feel like when those initial beaters make that challenge at um, at, mid, at half court or so, like when you're in mm-hmm. a set piece often, you know, chasers are set up, the ball carries, bring in, and the beaters go ahead, like, like you can get hot and, like, just take out the opponent beater, like, more than 50% of the time. Would you say that that's kind of an equivalent?
1: uh i guess kind of um but i think um for what in my opinion whenever a beater starts to get hot you know so to speak um it's not really with that's it's not the throwing aspect i feel like that's more of the catching aspect because Mm. um because typically when the beaters are so close to each other you don't have uh, I, I mean, unless that ball is being thrown right into your gut, I mean, it's really hard to catch that bludger because, you know, it's coming from, you know, like, three feet away very, very fast, and it's going to hit, like, you know, your arm, your shoulder, your leg, your knee, whatever, um... But like if you can, beaters whenever they they start playing really really hot they're catching balls like crazy like yeah, if you, if, you know if it's at their at their, their leg they catch it if it's at their shoulder they got it. <laughs> but like for some reason like that reaction time is so on point. Um, but long throws with beats, I mean, I feel like that's just more luck than anything because either like the person wasn't looking or you know it like I don't know uh they try to block the the bludger but it hits off the bludger in a, weir- a weird way and it, like hits their foot on the way down oh yeah oh <laughs> um, yeah so i yeah i feel like long long beats it uh kind of like you know like three pointers that's more luck than anything Oh yeah. uh, but i mean there is a there is skill to get the ball in that in that vicinity yeah but at the yeah. same time because it's such a long beat that person has hours i mean hi- right i'm just exaggerating but person has hours of time to react
0: yeah that's true when you say um uh when you're kind of initiating that starting that that half court offense and the beaters come up and engage like is there like an optimal i guess the optimal distance i was about to ask but i guess that depends on the matchup of your arm strength but talk a little bit about how you approach that let's say that you and your beta buddy don't have bludger control, you bring the bludger up, the defense has two bledgers. What what take us through the mind of how Jonathan Garcia picks that picks that defense apart?
1: Okay. Um well it's generally pretty simple. Um I, I talked about this with you at um at T S L uh and up in up in Cedar Park. Mm-hmm. But I like to think of it as like uh, as like, like computer programming, uh an if then statement. Yeah. Um For people that don't know what that is. I mean, I'm not a computer science major. This is like the only thing I know. So whenever you write code, it starts off with if. Like, okay, for example, if, I don't know, if one piece of line were to happen, then you do this, right? So I like to think of the same thing in in beating, right? Like, if this beater does this, then you do this. Mm. Um, Just to keep it very simple, so whenever I'm teaching beaters how to play the game, I, I tell them, hey, if they do that, you do this. Um, so whenever I go up on offense, we're trying to get bunch of control back. Um, the first thing I look at is where they're standing. Yeah. If they're standing, um, if they're standing incredibly far out from the um, from the hoops, I immediately tell my girl beater, I'm like, hey, wrap around and start playing from their backside yeah. because, um, because most likely they're gonna try to pitch the ball back whenever I I come up and you know try to like try to beat them out because um you know like there's they're so far up into the pitch like if they were to if they were to trade beats with me, right? For example, I get beat, they get beat, well then the balls are already kind of near half pitch kinda anyway. Now my girl beater can just go over, kick one ball back, pick up the other ball, and now we have bludger control again. So that they're if they're standing super far up i tell my girl hey go behind them and then we'll do will kind of single one out and we'll go from there yeah. if they're playing more standard right like we'll say like like you know there's half pitch uh, i'll call it like quarter pitch where it's slightly out of the uh, keeper zone kind yeah. of that little that little area right mm-hmm. like yes yeah, so a quarter pitch if you're standing in like in quarter pitch that's fine um you know that's very standard very normal um uh, it, it really just depends on who the beaters are is what i'll tr- i'll try to do because if i notice that um that certain that certain beaters like to just step up and just fire immediately yeah. i'm going to tell my girl beater to kind of wait off not necessarily behind them, but more off to the side. Uh, because if I can draw them to me and have them throw their ball at me first, I can pitch my ball off to my girl beater, and now that guy doesn't have a bludger anymore, and now my girl beater can beat him out, um, because obviously he doesn't have a bludger anymore, right? Yeah. So um, so that's, un- that's one scenario especially, that I, I like to look for.
0: Especially if you train your beaters to go for the face.
1: <laughs> yeah the face is the most optimal place when, to be. I mean, like
0: to try, if they're trying, if they're trying to catch or steal from you, of course, I'm not advocating we face beat yeah. mean, like, you know, mean spiritedly, but God damn, if someone's going to steal your blood pop them in the face. <laughs>
1: Dude, I've, I try to tell my, brothers, I'm sorry, my beaters all the time, like, yeah. if if they're coming at you with their arms down ready for a catch, hit them in the face. <laughs> they're literally, they're giving you their face for a free beat. Hit yeah. them. I don't I, care. I ain't even met like, if
0: someone hits me in the face. I'm just like, well, they respected me enough to be afraid I was going to steal it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's fine, right? Like, and also, it doesn't help getting into their head a little bit. I mean, right? If you if you beat someone in the face, they're going to get mad and they're going to start playing badly, and then you just win. Anyway, back to the topic <laughs> at hand, right? How do I get budget control back? Um. So uh, I, so like I said, if they're playing far up, I told my girl to kind of go behind them just in case if they try to throw it back right, and and for that scenario, if they're playing more standard a uh, more standard set, um, or in a standard position, I told my girl to kind of go off to the side. But yeah. if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling like. Oh, so this is either on the girl beater or the guy beater. Or, you know, two girls, two guys. It doesn't really matter. It just depends yeah. on how they play. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm trying to get the guy beater out, which is, I mean, I don't want to be rude, but it's, which is typically a, a more of a threat. Um, often then, but not always. <laughs> yeah. Often but not always. I agree. I said most likely, right? Yeah. More often than not. Um, uh, de- yeah, I, I, I think... A majority of the time i'll just have my girl stand off to the side because if i can get her to like grab his arm and pull a little bit and pull him off balance for that split second i yeah. get that free beat right like right. so if she can like at least try to get a hand on him or something or just you know try to swat at the ball or just be annoying that split second where he's he, he turns from looking at me to looking at her i capitalize immediately mm-hmm. um and that goes back into, into what I said previously, like, it's about how fast you can get that ball from the cock position off, um, you know, to the, to throwing it, how fast you can do that, right? Because that split second for me, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, that's typically how I quote unquote, like I dissect their, um their, their defense. But like, if both beaters are playing super far back, kind of almost standing on the hoops, yeah. well then obviously in in that case i just kind of start roaming the uh, the perimeter and start beating the chasers uh, yeah. and try to open up some lanes for my chasers to go and you know move around or whatever yeah. but if they're like hey go take out one beater okay fine right i give my bludger to my girl and i, I just go and like try to hit someone yeah. um, cuz i was like if i take if i take at least one bludger out of the play, and my girl beater still has one of the bludgers right, then I feel like my team should be able to score on that last remaining bludger that they have. I mean, yeah, we're not going to get bludger control back, but hey, we scored. That's all that matters.
0: Yeah.
1: And, yeah, that's pretty much, like, what I see a majority of the time. Uh, there are a couple of minor things here and there that are probably not as important to talk about, um, but obviously, if you want me to elaborate, I can.
0: Well, how so? What do you mean?
1: Um. Okay, so... Um, this this used to be like quote unquote the meta um, a couple years ago where instead of playing side by side people used to play up and back
0: yeah
1: right do you, do you remember that yeah yeah that was awful I hated that oh really um, why is that yeah it was so bad because like um at, at that time I was like wow I'm standing so far away from my girl beater um like if they were to if they were to beat me in, in the front well then um. I, I don't know i just had this feeling that like if they beat me in the front and i beat them back because t- two of them are standing closer to me than they um right like there's more of a chance for them to just pick up both balls right there right mm-hmm. um and my girl beater was just so far back i was like she doesn't have enough time to cover that distance and like try to make a play on the beater and if he, even if she did she has to worry about the quaffle player like so I, I like having I. god i I I like having the side-by-side meta like so much more because now hmm. I can see more of the field at once and it's so nice. Hmm,
0: that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Or rather, like, not even really for me, I like having my girl beater being able to see the field more at once because, I mean, at UTSA, they always made me play front, like in that I formation, yeah. and I hated it so
0: much. <laughs> yeah. It was so bad. Yeah, I guess it depends a lot. I, one thing I have noticed, though, is that because we use a fair amount of, of front back. Uh, I mean, obviously we stagger a little bit, but yeah, we tend to use more front back. But the main reason for that is that that takes away that that beater coming in behind. Like that, you you basically if, if I'm an empty-handed beater trying to snoop around behind the front beater and the back beater is kind of right there, then you kind of lose that, um, and you force them to come more from the front. But yes, it definitely creates a lot of downsides of of. Uh, of, you know, uh, if that front beater gets taken down, that's just part, of the th- part of the thing is we practice a lot of one, one-on-one and two-on-one beating where you have to be mm-hmm. able to win those beater duels. And so you kind of like, you know, force that one to, to take on the brunt of the attack. So I definitely yeah. see what you're talking about. It can be good and bad that way.
1: Yeah. Um, um. So actually, I wanna I wanna talk about what you just said. Where, like, yeah, you play front and back, but that's more of a staggered. And the reason why you do that is so that you take away that other beater, um, kind of coming around from the backside. Yeah. Um. So, so I mean, we can transition this topic into into positioning. Now. Yes, that um, you definitely wanna talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so positioning. So, oh, I, just, I just wanna lay this out for the the listeners, right? So positioning when you're on offense, when you're trying to get budget control back. Just so we have a you know, a nice clear topic at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with that, with, with what you're talking about specifically, um, where it's like, it's staggering, but it's still kind of like that, that front back scenario, that's fine. But whenever that front beater starts noticing that like, oh, hey, this girl or guy person is getting too close to me from behind. Um, right. And like almost kind of, uh, what's the, how do I want to describe this? Like, Mm, almost kind of like putting you in like a very small um sort of lockdown, right? Like you have someone on your back, like yeah. on hand is on your back, like you can't go, you know, uh you, you can't go back because there's someone there kind of blocking you. Yeah. And then you have the other beater in front of you, you know, coming in from the front and kind of locking you down. Mm-hmm. Uh at this I take I would say to that person if it wasn't me, hey, if like like I said, if this happens, right, if then if this happens to you, run back, right? Mm-hmm. Just like screw that positioning you're in a terrible position because (laughs) you have you have a beater behind you that's ready for like you know ready for a swat ready for a steal and then you have a beater in front of you that you know that's ready to just beat the hell out of you get out of that position as quickly as you can just run back towards the hoops Mm -hmm. um and then the person that who was i guess now in the back now scoots up and now is now the new front um so but that's why i don't like front and back because then you're just you're you have no you have no pressure on the sides um or I guess the wings i'm sorry the wings um that's why I like having that um that side by side beater uh, beater set so much more um, because on defense it's a lot easier to kind of see what's happening and kind of communicate but on offense um, it's like i honestly I think it's easier to almost to um to kind of uh, to isolate one of the one of the beaters right um because if you if you tell your if you tell your uh your ball carrier hey go right i'm gonna go left mm-hmm. they have to make a decision like okay um one beater is going to be looking at the quaffle players he's going to be looking left right and the other player the other beater play, um partner is gonna be looking at me and I'm gonna be on the right hand side or whatever it is right so you can isolate a beater super easily um with uh, with it um with like the sort of uh like side by side kind of kind of uh, the side the side by yeah. side setup mm-hmm. um so like that's good for offense and all defense like it's good too because obviously you know you're able to communicate easier you both have a vision of the field i mean like, it's, honestly, I think it's going to be, I don't know, that might be, like, the only way we play from now on. Because, like, I don't see how how another sort of setup is going to be better than both players having complete field vision and, you know, almost a view of everyone at the same time. Like, I just, right? Because if you're, I think, if both of you are, yeah. I think that, you.
0: I think that, that. That uh, and maybe uh, you're probably right that at the elite level, like as beaters get better, as teams have a better supply of extremely talented and experienced beaters, that that yeah, they're gonna probably the, the the top end strategy will migrate towards that. But I think that that lower level teams always have to make do with the available personnel. And so for me, if I looked at my beaters, and some of them were. More dualists like enjoyed going against other beaters, were very good at it, very good catching and spacing and throwing quickly and stuff. That and then another beater who is maybe very fast and has a good arm and is better at hunting chasers. I think it makes more sense to put a front back because, uh, because when you're in a left right, you're kind of letting the offensive players dictate the matchups. You can kind of decide for yourself which beater you would rather attack. All by dint of saying, well, we're just gonna have the quaffle go left, and we're gonna go right, and, and unless those beaters are very experienced and know how to just switch sides, like in the in the moment, which is I think a lot to ask, then you kind of letting the offense, you know, um, dictate the matchups. So, um, but yeah, definitely like at a high level, when you've got you know a lot, you have a a. a an ample supply of experienced, physically talented beaters, you know, who are well-rounded and know all the parts of the Mm -hmm. game. I definitely, you know, think that the left-right makes sense that each one has responsibility. They can support each other better than the front-back, for sure.
1: Um, Yeah, Um, but, like, going back to the front-back, the only reason why I still don't like it, even at the quote-unquote, like, the lower levels of beating, is because this is, like... I always think of stuff in, like, the worst-case scenario um, whenever I try to think of, like, strategies or kind of positioning on the field. Um, So, like, the worst-case scenario for me in that front-back is, um, like, beater, like, both beaters are looking directly at each other, you know, like, one's coming up, one's kind of, you know, ready to, you know, go to war, go on a duel, whatever, and, like, they both beat each other, and... um, and uh what do you call it so the the bludgers are now kind of like rolling anywhere and everywhere um if the offensive beater gets a solid easy beat on the defensive beater right so that bludger should in the you know in the best case scenario for them worst case for us obviously yeah. uh, cuz you know i'm i'm on defense um in this situation, yeah. like his beat rolls off my leg and goes back towards, goes back, back towards him. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. Cause he's b too, Right. Cause I beat him as well. Yeah. Um, but, but, but right. Like, but my beat, instead of getting a good beat and having it roll back towards my hoops, it kind of grazes his oh. leg. And now, <laughs> right, and it kind of, like, it starts rolling towards his side. So now they have two bludgers going towards their side of the hoops, and the other beat, the other beater can be like, okay, cool, thanks. And they just, you, you know, just pick him up and bring them on back. Um, but, like, if I if you were to... Like, so obviously, I'm like, I'm still advocating for side by side, like, and for any and all levels of beating. If you pull that beater off to the side, and now you're having that um that side by side matchup, um. Right, like if you can pull them farther back towards your hoops, right? Like mm-hmm. you like you walk up. And, you know, they're like, okay, cool, they're playing aggressive, I'm going to step forward too, right? And then you start walking back. The further you pull the offensive beater back towards your hoops, Mm -hmm. the better chance you'll have of maintaining bludgeon control Mm -hmm. and getting a beat on him, even after both players kind of, like, trade beats. Just just because of the ricochet, right? Like, you can't account for ricochet unless you're, like, super god tier, which I think, like, no one can. No, no Um, one's doing that. Yeah, no (laughs) one's doing that craziness, but, um right but like the fact that you are closer to your hoops and you're not literally almost at half pitch or mid pitch I think puts you once again in a much better position just in general the um because like the, the farther back that you can pull them means that if you were to beat them the farther back they have to run to go tag in and yeah. whenever me and Daniel uh, Daniel obviously in my uh, other beater at UTSA um whenever me and Daniel play against teams that I guess can't run as long as we can the first thing i tell them was like hey dude let's just run them into the ground because we have more stamina we're faster and we're better right so if we make the other beaters run more often and use up their energy faster we just try out win the game because we're just going to you know you know we're just going to run all over them and we're still going to make better plays and then they're going to be tired and they can't throw and they can't run so so like that, so that extra like five feet or so from the the top of the eye formation pulling them back into the um, like the side by side, I think it'll pay huge dividends for like the lower tier teams because obviously I mean I don't want to be rude right, but typically the lower tier teams typically have um people that are not as athletic as you know as. Yeah, you know, better teams, right? Duh, no, that's just how it works. Um, so if you can get them, be- if you can get them tired faster, then you just you just you know you're going to win more often, right. in my opinion.
0: It is definitely part of the definitely. It's a sport, you know. The the people who yeah. are stronger and faster are going to do better. And but yeah, taking advantage that if you have the numerical advantage in the uh, you know the athletic advantage, you always take advantage of it by forcing them to run more to respond to you more. Definitely. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what I always try to do. I'm like, hey, Daniel, like, you know, we're faster than them. We're we're better than them. Let's just run them into the ground, and then they won't be able to play. And he's like, yeah, of course. And so, like, we just we just go to town.
0: <laughs> yep, it makes sense. Um, the beginning is definitely definitely strength and speed and, or, and technique are definitely big parts of it. But I feel like the positioning is, as you said, is very underrated uh, for how important it is. Uh, would you say uh, – you know, well, what do you tell your new beaters when you're teaching them about positioning themselves?
1: So, I mean, I'm I'm talking like day one, day two new beating, right? Um, with people that are transitioning from chaser to beater or like, oh, like I've been playing chaser for a while. I kind of want to pick up beating because why not, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't tell them the same thing because they should know, keyword should, they should mm-hmm. know at least a little bit of beating. But I'm talking like, you know, these new freshmen, they come out day one to practice. I don't know how to do anything. Okay, fine. That's fine. I got you, right? Mm-hmm. I tell them, beat with your feet, not not your arms. Because, like, th- obviously throwing, as everyone knows, that's really important because without throwing, you can't get any beats, right? That, that's just – yeah, that's just, uh, that's just a no-brainer. Yeah. But I tell them, I'm like, hey, if you can – instead of throwing like crazy distances to try to get a beat, if you can chase them down with your feet, right? Like, you know, run them down mm-hmm. and get as close as possible to make that beat. You're going to put yourself in a much better position for the second beat than you will for, you know, for the first beat. Cause with, um, with beating people fail to realize that, um, it's not about the initial beat in front of you. It's about the beat afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I like to think – it like, and that sort of like kind of mindset, I think of beating as more of like pool, you know, like with the uh, the cue ball and the eight ball and all that good stuff. Because yeah. in pool, you know, if you look at the ball that's just in front of you and you just go ham on the cue ball, well, then your cue ball is not going to be in a good position for your next shot. So you have to kind of – you, you, I mean, you kind of have to realize that, hey, if I go ham on this one play at this one time, I can't go – I can't even recover for the second play because I'm super out of position.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a yeah. Yeah, big deal. So so what would you say about targeting to try and set yourself up for success on your subsequent play when you're throwing at
1: Oh, so, Okay, so obviously um, if – when you're throwing at someone, I'm going to assume that's kind of like a, a short-slash-mid-range sort of beat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not like a super long beat, because, you know, you probably just miss. Um, but I always try to aim for their for their feet and or their legs, right? And the closer I aim to the ground, the more likely that I'll hit them and then hit the ground shortly after, so the ball kind of stops quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I have an option to chase them all, like, get, you know, cl- as close as possible, like, I can... I can touch them with, like, with my chest pretty much, right? I'm that close to them. Yeah. I can just give them a nice little tap beat on, like, you know, their thigh, their chest, their hip, and the ball will pop up right back into my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. do that, you know, about 98% of the time. Um, but, you know, if I am if I need to make that, that throwing beat, I will, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what I tell my new beaters. I'm like, hey, get as close as you physically can to that other person and give mm-hmm. them a nice little tap beat on, like, you know, on their leg, or on their hip, or something. Because then, the ball will fall down at your feet, and you can just pick it back up, and now you're ready for the next play. Um, But, because, uh, I mean, with, with beater's jobs is, um, if we get that, that quaffle up into the air, that gives our defensive uh, quaffle uh, players, right, our defensive chasers, yeah. you know, an opportunity to kind of, like, you know, slap it down, or intercept it, or do something. Yeah. So, whenever the beater gets gets their job done which is oh get that quaffle into the air like their their first initial job that's done they don't have to worry about defense well I mean I say that obviously that's <laughs> that's, that's a huge that's a huge lie but like they don't have, they don't have to worry about defense for that remainder of the play right as long as they get the ball in the air they should be good yeah. um, <laughs> and that's why I don't um but obviously on the off chance that um that the play is still going you don't want to um you don't want to just rip your rip your load with your quaffle i'm sorry with your bludger from a thousand miles out get the beat right like you're still getting the beat but now that ball has ricocheted to you know yeah. freaking hogwarts and back dude like <laughs> it's it's so far and now your poor your poor other beater has to clean up everything right yeah um, and it's just it's just not a fun time um yeah, so that's why I tell my beaters like, hey, beat with your feet, not your arms. If you can if you could chase down every single chaser, right, and get that beat where you're like a foot, you know, less than a foot away, dude, please do that. Like that's gonna be so much better than you just throwing bombs from, you know, twelve feet
0: out. Yeah. So much better. Well there's one thing that I and I don't remember where I first saw this, but um but practicing for a while with my beaters, the turn beat where you kind of pick the blooder off the ground, turn, and then like you—you you kind of plant your your dominant side. you like if you're right, you're, if you're right-handed, you plant your right foot, kind of swivel your left foot back, and then turn your hips to kind of get a full-body throw on a target yeah. you just seeing. Like so, that's something we practice. But what I found is that some players and try and overuse that, and so the next thing I because then they're trying to throw from too far out, right? So the next exactly. drill, So the next drill I developed was I had a beater with the chaser right in front of her, and this was actually a month ago I developed this. Um, I had a receiver behind her in near near the hoops, and that chaser holding the quaffle would would pass, and it would pass in kind of she had to kind of read that pass to see if it was a short pass or a long pass. Like had she could kind of, you know you can kind of see when you're throwing when someone's throwing if it's going in a big arc or if it's going direct. And based on that, she had to either turn and beat someone who was close or she would have to, like, turn and run after and close the distance on the receiver. And she could still, if her reaction time was good, she got better quick. Her reaction time was good enough that she could still get five steps on that receiver and beat them as the quaffle was reaching their hand. So, like... Yeah, you know, And then again, there's that beat with your feet, which, you know, sounds great, but you got to find the applications for it. And I think that's one of it, reading where the quaffle is going to go, especially for like if there's two beaters, the one who's kind of farther away from the play, they can really get stuck in space and not really be covering anything uh, unless you kind of can read where the play is going. If you can kind of diagnose where that play is going, then you kind of run in that direction and you're covering the people because if the balls in the air to them. That's always the beater's favorite, right? Beating the chaser before the co-op even reaches them. <laughs> oh yeah, that's. I
1: mean, that's free money. Like, yeah. I mean, it's literally taking candy from a baby because they can't do anything, <laughs> right? Like, like they just have to sit there and take the beat. It's great.
0: Yep. <laughs> oh man, yes. That uh, yeah. That that that's that's a good one. It's always fun. That yeah. Gotta have a little arm strength, wrist strength to be able to 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 throw it with enough power they the pleasure gets in them before the quaffle. Gotta do some yeah. push ups. I've been doing more push ups lately, so hopefully that will help my beanie.
1: <laughs> well I mean push ups works your chest and your uh and your triceps. Um if you if anything you should probably be doing more pull because that yeah, works your biceps, which yeah, which is greatly greatly uh, needed in, in throwing. That's true. That's no, true.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, um
1: but yeah so going back to the um to the the beating with your feet sort of um sort of positioning uh talk is um right as like that that's fine and all um it's so, like if you need to make that that turn beat like that's fine but at the same time you're like chasers are gonna start noticing um that hey uh, this beater likes to take long, long beats, right? Mm-hmm. Like she likes to just pick it up and just whip it around and just throw as hard as she can, um, before I even have a chance to touch the quaffle. Like if the pass is going to that person, right? Yeah. So I feel, I feel like any person that can understand gameplay is it, should be able to put this together. Like, oh, hey, that beater likes to just throw bombs at me. I'm going to wait a second, right? Watch her throw it at me. Dodge the beat and then go back to picking up the quaffle, right? Because, yeah, because uh, yeah, obviously, if that beat is farther than, I pretty much like, yeah, five feet, yeah, at least five to six feet out, if it's farther than that, that chaser uh, should have plenty of time to look at the beater, okay, cool, she's throwing it at me, you know jump duck move to the side and then just pick up the 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 quaffle that is now that is now on the floor instead of in the air right, right. so now the beater that supposed that should have just ran over there instead um like now she's sol because now she's mr beat the the opponent has the quaffle and she doesn't have a bludger anymore like i mean like yeah so i'm telling you beating with their feet is almost <laughs> always going to be the be- the best thing right? because you have to account for people to adapt i mean yeah, it, it might take longer for some people to adapt than others, but you always have to account for that. Yeah. Um. Even, even if like you know the the lowest levels of quidditch, like people are going to figure stuff out eventually. You just have to be wary wary of that. Yeah,
0: and I think that that's also like, uh, you know, adapting, adjusting to each other's play. You got to be able to change up your targeting for when you're beating and what, because people like, me, especially you were talking about reading your opponent and some 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 beaters. Tend to just always throw right away. Versus some have more of a, a different, you know, different types of throws. They different. They'll they'll pump fakes. Versus some some will always pump fakes. Some will do it, and you can't tell when they're gonna do it. So it makes it harder to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So um, I want to use this time now to talk about positioning for myself. Whenever I uh, I'm on defense with Bledger control, right? Yeah. Um, because this this is this is probably like the biggest thing. Um, that separates me from like the mid tier beaters and like that pushes me up into like the, the you know the top tier is because I understand that um that it's it's a very delicate dance that you have to do with the other beater because um you don't want to be too close um in distance between yourself and the opposing beater where they can get a beat on you but you also don't want to be too far enough away from them, so you like so you don't want to so, you, so that you can't get a beat on them, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be mm-hmm. in that nice sweet spot where like you think you can get that beat, and also they can probably miss, like yeah. from from that range. And like that's the hardest thing to judge, is because not only do you have to worry about the person dancing in front of you you also have to worry about you know where your other beater is like or for you for me like my girl beater i have to worry about where my girl beater is where their other beater like if she's behind me or he it doesn't matter if um off to the side if you know if they're still in front of me if the quaffle player is running, is you know coming over to my side it's uh my my girl beater side um mm-hmm. so like Whenever I am on defense, I have to take all this into account first, and then kind of judge like, okay, cool, like the uh, the quaffle it's over there t- towards my girl beater, that's fine. All I have to do is worry about this guy beater in front of me, you know, that's that wants to just beat the hell out of me. Yeah. So what I like to do, typically, is if like if I know that I'm faster than that girl that girl beater coming up on offense with him, um, like I'll I'll try to like I'll. I'll 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 draw him in as as hard as possible, like far enough away from like everyone else, and then I will try like I'll get him to throw it at me, right? And I'll I'll either like jump and throw the ball back, or just straight up just throw the ball back towards my hoops, right? Um, because even if he hits me, all right, cool, dude, congratulations, you beat me, but I'm already <laughs> on my way to pick up the bludger that I threw back, you know, yeah. like so. At that point, you're pretty much basing it off like a bad ricochet on yourself, which is fine, right? Because people are bony, and like if it hits off like some weird bone, then you know it'll go you know a thousand yards in whatever direction. That's fine. Or like if it skims off my leg, that's super cool now because now both beat both bludgers are going behind <laughs> the hoops, just exactly where I want it to be. Like that's the best case scenario. Yeah. Um. Or you know, if I just jump over their beat and I throw my, if I throw my, uh, my bludger. Once again, both bludgers are still going towards my hoop, so I win that trade 100% of the time. Um, so like, I like to do that a lot, is because like I know I'm faster than most people, so I, I can just pick my ball up imme- almost immediately. Um, but if I know that the girl beater is kind of standing more like way more behind me, like ready for that ready for my pitch back mm-hmm. i'll then switch it up and start trying to beat him instead right because if i can beat him instead and get like a lucky catch or like or you know if i just get a free beat like yeah. if i just step up and beat yeah. him immediately he's not expecting that i and then once again i win that trade 100 percent of the time because he has mm-hmm. to dr- obviously drop his bludger i just pick that up you know fire it away at someone and then go pick mine up like um so but Talking about like the actual like distance portion of all like this uh this you know this tango that me and the the beater are doing yeah um your like your sweet spot is definitely going to be right around we'll say like
0: well, that, oh god it depends I, a lot on your yeah. on your technique and your stance and your strength your yeah. strength from your fingers all the way to your to your legs and everywhere in between like that and how much you practiced. Like I put stickers, I put stickers I'm, on a on a wall out out uh, you know nearby just to throw at just to enhance my accuracy and power. Just to you know, you've got to feel it. You've got to feel where your kill range is, where your where your kill zone is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um. So na- naturally, for for people that don't have a uh, good arm strength, their their sweet spot is going to be a shorter distance because yeah. obviously they can't throw from farther away. But you know i'll say like i'll just you know talk about me personally um so my sweet spot probably like six seven feet right mm-hmm. um, that's a that's a nice distance where like if i try to if i tr- try to get a beat on them and they're throwing that ball at me at the same time um there's like just enough distance for me to get like an arm out and try to catch it um but if i can't okay no big deal right like i i still did my part and i got i got the beat on him yeah. or her um so, but blah, blah 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 if I can sort of get that um if I can close that distance from you know six to seven feet to like four or five right, and we're we're like you know we're just pumping at at each other <laughs> like once or twice, yeah. dude, you have no idea how um how easy it is to just well i mean obviously for me right because i can yeah. I used to be a pitcher, I'm used to having uh to to release the ball as quickly as possible, yeah um. It's so nice being able to just beat him almost immediately before they have a chance to do anything because of you know the both of you are so close to each other. It's like okay, who's gonna throw first? You, you know, are you are you gonna pump fake first? Am I gonna pump fake first? If you just step up and just beat him, like I mean, they can't do anything about that because they they're already beat. Like that's how, that's how yeah. quickly you gotta do it. I love it. That, that's that's. That's the cool part.
0: Yeah, a lot of newer beaters hesitate, like, a lot. Like, wait, is this the right time to throw? Is this the right time to throw? Like, and it's very easy if you have a fast release, which I've been working on that too. If you have a fast release, you can capitalize on that very easily. The only experienced beaters are kind of ready for anything at any moment. They kind of know when to throw it. And also, and notice that the throwback is is something that takes time to master because at first you just hesitate. Like, wait, am I screwed? And, you know, if you're you're asking yourself, am I screwed, you're not saying, I'm screwed, and throwing the bludger back already.
1: Yeah. But even when you're throwing the bludger back, like, you're not necessarily thinking, oh, I'm screwed. You're more, like, you're you're trying to put them in an awkward position, and also put yourself in a good position. So, it's not like, oh, I'm screwed. It's more like, okay, I'm trying to do my part and get them out of play as much as possible. Yeah. Um... I mean, Daniel does a really good job with that, um, obviously, because I taught him to do that, um, and we've been working on that for the past, like, year or so now. Mm -hmm. Um, I still feel like he does it, I still feel like he throws the ball back after he's beat, so I tell him to watch that. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, like, yeah, you gotta watch that, because then they'll they'll call it. Um, But, I mean, he's, like, he's obviously, like, he's super fast, so, I mean, there's almost no one that can get that ball before him after he pitches it like almost almost no one like they have to already be throwing and running like before daniel even like (laughs) like throws the ball back um he's so fast (laughs) that that guy is so so fast um let's see uh anything other position i want to talk about oh that's right this is the most important thing that i've realized since last year yeah that's when i start putting all of my um all of my beating like experience together was like in this one moment um I was actually at storm practice, uh, you know, for, for TSL. Yeah. This was up in San Marcos last year, and I noticed that I was like, okay, um, the the beater uh, on offense like is with the uh, the quaffle carrier, and they're going towards the right, and I'm like, okay, I'm on the left. Where should I be? And I mm-hmm. thought that to myself, I'm like, oh, I don't I don't want to be all the way over here because I mean, this is obviously in that uh, that side by side setup that yeah. I was talking about earlier. Right. Yeah, so I'm I'm still talking about that. You're kind of um, on the weak, weak side,
0: beater, you could say in this case.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure, I'm on the weak side. Or the, yeah. the the side farthest away from all the action. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm over here by myself. Where should I be? Because I'm literally leaving my girl beater to almost to die over there. <laughs> That's not a good thing, right? As her partner, I should not let her leave her to die. Just mm-hmm. so I was like, where should where should I be? oh obviously the in I should be at the top in, in mid pitch like I should be in the middle of the pitch towards the top because because I think I think I talked to this about you actually um because um if that quaffle carrier decides to throw the ball back to the middle for whatever reason I'm already there yeah like that like that guy is now shut down. He's already beat before he even has a chance to think about getting that quaffle. Hmm. Um, if for whatever reason that quaffle carrier, you know, on the right hand side, if we can just visualize visualize this yeah. on the right hand side, makes a pass all the way across the pitch to the other wing chaser, right? Um, on this on the side that I was just at, I have plenty of time to get from my middle position over to the left yeah to yeah. the left wing position and beat him before he even has a chance to, you know to catch that ball pretty much yeah. um and then plus if the beaters um if the beaters are transitioning from my girl beater they're like oh that guy's walking up towards the middle he's out of position let's go beat him right if they start coming more towards me i just fall back I fall yeah. back to my hoops, and now my girl beater is now closer to the quaffle carrier, and I can tell her, I can tell her like go go go, yeah, and she goes in like crash. um right yeah because I pull I pull them away from her, and now she's free to do whatever. So like it's so like after I did that, I realized, I'm like oh my god, this is so easy. <laughs> how did I how did I not not realize this in the four years that I've been playing?
0: Um. It's it's very bold to take a pincer position, basically what you're describing. Not rather than being a left-right pincer, you're kind of a high-low pincer. But it's 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 always kind of a little bit, uh, you know, it puts it puts the opponents in a bad spot whenever you do that
1: exactly that's what I try to tell my beaters all the time I'm like if you can get that pincer position go yeah. for it because <laughs> now that beater in the middle of that pincer is so screwed because like is the beat gonna come from in front of me no yeah. okay, is the beat gonna come from beside me I don't know right like they have to worry about two different positions to look at and if he looks at the wrong way at the wrong time the other beater has a free beat and then boom the whole play is <laughs> just dead like it's just dead at that yeah. point
0: yeah, it's true well, it works especially well because you're you're so fast. You're fleet-footed. I would think a slower beater would, would be very risky for them to try and move so far up pitch and they can't necessarily get back in time. Like supposing supposing the, the beater out the hoops misses the beat or it's, or it's blocked. Or even if they make the beat on the beater and the bludger mm-hmm. doesn't roll right back to them, now there's still yeah, a yeah. very small window where the ball carrier could drive. And you being fast may, kind of enables you to... to Come back and cover that space. You're also putting a little bit of pressure on your keeper because they lose the you, you lose coverage on passes behind the hoops. But you know it's all about trusting your teammates and putting them in position to succeed. Also,
1: yeah, um, but I mean, like I feel like uh, like that that keeper that you just mentioned, yeah. he doesn't really his um, if if the ball if the quaffle is on like the you know the wing side and there's a chaser. Um, a chaser mid pitch, you know, like in the middle, and the chaser, you know, left wing. That keeper only really, ha- really has to worry about the girl chaser or whatever chaser is sitting at the hoops, right? Because um, the wing, the the qualifier is, is covered by my girl beater, right? I have the left wing and the mid pitch covered because, like I said, there's no way that that, that that ball carrier is making that pass from right to left wing that's so far yeah um so three out of the four chaser players are now covered and rather the, the last one the person at the hoops right typically the girl should be covered by the by the keeper like his job is probably the easiest in that position because he he only has to worry about um like if like as you said, right? Like if if my girl beater gets beat, right? There's a, there is that small window yeah. where that uh that waffle carrier can now drive in. And but then, you know as I'm kind of run, running in to take her her position that she just got beat out from. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all he has to do is worry about that one part. Um, but then at the same time, I feel like um my wing chaser that's all the way on the opposite side of the pitch he should be able to realize like oh hey like i'm super far away from everything that's happening i should be kind of closer to the <laughs> to the hoops in case you know i don't know a case a random pass kind of gets knocked around and my keeper's not there right like yeah. um so, like, the keeper, uh, his job is pretty much just watch the ball and whoever's handling the ball. Um, but if that pass goes up after the keeper kind of steps up and, like, makes that hit, um, I don't know. I feel like the girl beater that just got beat should probably have almost enough time to make that beat on where that pass is going if, she, if you know, the ricochet is in her favor, right? Um, and we're all right, at the but, I mean, of the ricochets. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Ricochet's, you know, can live by the ricochet, die by the ricochet. Um but at the same time like I feel like I'm I don't want like, I don't want to say like I'm good enough, but I feel like plays happen that in such a way where I'm fortunate enough to get one bludger back towards her, right? That, that are kind of like on the ground, right? And 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 I still have a bludger myself and I can then continue on with the with the defensive play. Um but yeah, whenever I see the that position where, like, the beater and the keeper are off to one side and I, I pinch from the middle, mm-hmm. it's like, what can they do? They can almost do almost nothing. I mean, yeah. I, I would have to I would have to miss my beat flat out for them to get, like, that, that free score.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's why we practice throwing so that we don't miss. That's somebody's. why we exactly. Well, it was
1: practice. Exactly. Let's
0: practice. Like- let practice. I had a Quidditch camp. This week, it was very successful. I noticed that on the break, most of the kids were just getting water. Well, there was one kid, and he would actually he'd get his water as quick as he could. He would just go out there, and he just start throwing. he just practicing. I was like, you know what? That's There you go. That's that's the attitude I like, you know? Nice. <laughs> just get out there and yeah. keep, keep getting better. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Well, uh, I want to thank you for your time. I don't know if you have any other closing remarks, because um, oh. I feel like we've hit a lot of really good stuff here
1: yeah i do too um closing remarks okay so for any new beaters that are listening to this uh some key takeaway points right um to, to get better overall practice releasing from like I'm, I'm sure you can um i'm sure like you can kind of like tell them like what this is that they're kind of uh unsure of what's happening but like if you know them personally, obviously, um, from the cock position, whenever like you're ready to throw, right? So the ball yeah. is like behind your head, and all you have to do is just throw it forward. Practice um, being in that position and throwing immediately, right? So being in that, like, um, the ball is uh, kind of behind your head, and you're, like, you know, a half second away from throwing, yeah, yeah. ready throw, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Practice doing that quickly. Um, uh, obviously, don't If you're having trouble making, having good accuracy, practice on accuracy first and then go to that. I mean, uh, so you can you can you know aim at the person that you're you know aiming at and then make an accurate throw at the person, right? Mm -hmm. So accuracy first and then speed and power. That's what I always I tell my beaters. Um, Practice that um, and then your your footwork, right? The agility the agility part. Um, Whenever I beat. I don't, I don't, I don't make huge steps with my feet. They're all very tiny, very minuscule. I mean, I'm sure you've seen me play, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I don't. It doesn't take me a lot, uh, a lot of huge steps to get into position. It's like I take one, two, three, and boom! Like I'm, like my body is turned. Like my body is turned. I'm in a better position, and you know, I'm ready to throw. So, like practice, um, like. Y- like practice like in a stance shuffling backwards shuffling sideways oh uh, and shuffling forwards right because those those small like two to three steps is is definitely going to matter whenever you're trying to close distance from an opposing beater or put yourself away at a distance like yeah. like at, at a range so definitely footwork is super important for beating um uh, more so than chasing i i i think um and then the last one um let's see honestly just like trust your judgment as essentially like if, if if you have enough time to think oh um should i go for this beat here you should have already gone for that beat there yeah. um <laughs> because i mean like we we can teach um we can like i say we as in like you know like me you um yeah. like we can teach how to make a better play but we can't teach you to make be- like to to make a decision quickly right like um that has to be all like we has to be on you. Like if you think that you're in a good position to make a beat or like, you know, to go chase a chaser or whatever, right? To go like, you know, to do your job as a beater, take that opportunity and just go for it. Because if you mess up, okay cool, that's fine. Like, yeah, you gotta you have, have a short
0: memory. you know, they say the great athletes have a short memory. Like some people when they miss a beat and it flusters them and then they miss the next beat and before you know it they're having a bad day. You gotta be exactly. able to like brush yourself off and say, All oh, right, I missed that beat but, you know, like Next time I won't, and and if you start putting the pressure on yourself, like, because it does, it's true that every missed beat is a given up goal, you know, or lost blood or control. Pretty things much, like that. yeah. It can really kill your team, but at the same time, you can't take it that well. The, every beat matters, even though it's kind of true. Every beat matters. You can't get yourself into feeling anxious about throwing, because then you're gonna get the yips. So you gotta shrug it off, yeah. get back to throwing, and put, get your groove back.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, so once again, like practice releasing quickly right from the cock position, practice your footwork and small, sh- small shuffling and just g- go, go with your gut. If you think that you can, you know, get that beat um, from like, I don't know, we'll say like the, the normal distance of like five to six feet out. Right. Um, that, That's a pretty normal distance, I, I think, Uh, in terms of, I mean, wait, well, yeah. Because, wait, how tall am I? Like, 5'8"? Yeah, that's a pretty reasonable distance. Yeah, imagine yourself um, lying
0: on the ground. You put your toe right there and you yeah, the yeah. against the wall. Yep, throw it at the wall. You should be able to hit it every time.
1: Yep. Right, yeah. If you think you can get that beat, right, go for it. Um, If you miss, okay, cool, right? like that. That's fine, no big deal. But at least you did something rather than nothing. Yeah. Um, Doing nothing as a beater is probably the worst. <laughs> I mean, literally yeah. the worst thing that you could not do, right? Like, yeah. Um. Oh man, you have no idea how many times like my beaters will do nothing and I like I will chew oh. them out. Like <laughs> like because I mean it's like doing do something, right? Like yeah. I don't know, if you throw and you miss, okay that's fine. At least you did something, like you were making a play, you know, to put yourself in a winning position, right? Yeah. Like you, you don't put yourself in any position when you do nothing. It's yeah. the worst.
0: Yeah. That, um, I think every team has its own philosophy on how to deploy its beaters and you know, but and you've got ultimately it's a sport and it's sports we do it. Cause we're not getting paid to do this. I don't think anyone is in Quidditch at least yet. So we're doing it because yeah. we want to, cause it makes us feel better about ourselves. So you've got to find what works for you, you know, and if you want to play beater, I mean, some teams are more, much more conservative than others with their bludgers. You know, some it's like, just get bludger control. Like, you know, that's like number one priority. Some teams are more lax with it. Like it's okay to risk it, to get a goal. And, you know, and so if your philosophy doesn't really match your coaches, that can produce a source of friction. But you know, try and try and learn all the different ways to play. You know, try and, and hear what mm-hmm. your coach's philosophy is, try and make it make sense and you know, and if you don't like it, get better so you can be the coach of your own team. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I I guess, right? Um let's see. Um Is there any like last minute questions you want to ask so that I can answer, you know, pretty quickly? Like I don't know. Um, just so that, like, the listeners have, like, a good understanding. Like, okay, cool, like, if this were to happen, I should probably do this. Or, like, I should, you know, do this to get better. Like, is there anything that you want to ask really Uh, fast?
0: What, uh, what would you say is is something, one or two things that are especially important in Snitch on Pitch?
1: Oh, oh, this is super easy. Okay, yeah, I've completely forgot to talk about Snitch on Pitch. (laughs) Okay, um, that's super my bad. Okay, quick, quick things, right? Um okay we're going to assume that all all games right are going to be within range so like you know don't stop playing quaffle stop doing it okay (laughs) just spot out don't do that i swear to god if you do that we're gonna have problems um because the quaffle the quaffle points don't matter anymore right it's within range like one or two points even three like even three i still don't care right get your butt to that snitch and protect your seeker I don't care about the quaffle anymore, unless I unless I say so, right? Unless I yeah. say so. Um, but oh my God, I swear, like there has been too many games that have been thrown away, literally thrown away, where beaters are just not by this by the seeker and yeah. like or, or like the snitch whatsoever, and then the other seeker just has all the time in the world to pull.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So quick tips, right? This is all within range, obviously. If you have two bludgers, the first thing you want to do is beat the beater. Why, do you ask? Why would you beat the beater, Jonathan? I will tell you, <laughs> listener. Um, Like, you beat the beater so that the beater doesn't beat your seeker. Oh, my God. And what a novelty. I- like, what a novel idea. Oh, my God. Um, Right? So that's, I mean, that, that's pretty... Um that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Beat the beater so that he doesn't beat your seeker so that you can win the game. Okay, cool. Yo. Um if you have one bludger, this is where it gets really tricky and and very like um like you know, like on your feet quick decisions all the time. If you have a shot at the seeker, go for your shot at the seeker, right? If you somehow get close enough to that seeker where their beaters are like, "Okay, cool, we're just going to let you walk up for free." <laughs> Take take your shot at that seeker, and then obviously remember this, kids, and adults. If you if you get the beat if you get the beat on that seeker, and the ball hits the ground, put your fist up.
0: <laughs>
1: right? You you can now get blood. You know, get blood Your immunity. Like stick your that stick that fist up, because then you can just walk over and pick it up. Like you don't have to rush in there and you know and then get beat while doing it. Put that fist up. Get in there. Pick up your ball, and then. Transition from beating the seeker to beating one of the beaters, right? And don't forget um, and
0: don't forget that under rule book twelve now, if if you if they both have bludgers and your you your bludger rolls over to them and you put your fist up and they throw a bludger back to your hoops and pick that one up, that is now guarding.
1: That is now guarding.
0: Yes. Yep. Thank God. <laughs> I want a, I want a very uh, brief shout out to the ref team for adding that in.
1: <laughs> oh man, dude. Actually I think that was like that was almost the reason why we lost to Rochester. Well, UTSA lost to Rochester in the, the quarterfinals. It was almost because of that moment. Oh, man. Um, well, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we did lose to them, but that was almost the reason why we lost. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, like, put your fist up, get that ball back, and then try to get a, a beat on one of the beaters, please. Um. But obviously, if... if um, Going back to that, if you have two bludgers... If if they're smart enough to realize that, oh, hey, we should play farther up because if the beater can't get to our seeker, then we just win the game. If they're playing that way, which is how they're supposed to play, you can't get to the seeker anymore to get that beat. So at that point, you're just going to have to, you know... You're just going to have to buckle down and just be a good player for a split second. You know, try to go for a beat and a catch, or try to go for, like, a beat and a dodge. Um, Because you need to get... Communicate with your right-handed yeah,
0: beaters so that they're there in position yeah. to make a play.
1: <laughs> exactly, right? Because you can't get to the Seeker when they're in front of you, right? You got to deal with what's, what's in front of you first before you can get to the Seeker. Um, So, yeah, make a beat, make a catch. You know, put the team on your back. You got to do something. Because uh, at that point... You can't just run around, because I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you run all the way around and go be my seeker, right? If I know that, if my job is to beat you before I beat them, right? Before you beat them, right? Yeah. Um, so like I said, you just got to be a good player for like five seconds, man. Um, make a beat, make a catch, uh, and then make another beat on the beater or if they come at you, right? You're just going to have to um,
0: yeah.
1: just, you know, get in the zone for that split second. Um, that's it. That's all the tips really I can give you, because that's pretty much how... Oh, uh, everything else is just chaos, obviously, yeah. like just chase, um, are...
0: yeah,
1: no, 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 not even that, like, um, sometimes bludgers are rolling around, the seekers are you know fighting each other, trying to get the snitch, oh God, it's awful, it's crap. um, <laughs> it's terrible because, oh man, because like, you know a, a split second is all it takes to pull it, a yeah split second,,
0: that's true. you'll never see fifteen people. More frantically struggling with every fiber of their body to win than with a snitch on pitch tied game. I spent, well, oh in the older days where some of the teams would slowball, that's kind of gone out a little bit out the window now with the the newer rules. Like, um, thank God, like LSQC versus Texas State, uh, they, regional finals a couple of years ago, that was an ultimate classic. Like, just 15 people, everyone just going nuts. Just going a hundred percent.
1: Oh, trust me, I know. I was there. <laughs> I watched it happen. Oh man! Um, Jesus. Um, oh, that's right. Okay, so back to the central pitch. Like, this is one last thing, right? Yeah. If you have both bludgers, and you know your your main goal is to first beat that beater uh, before he gets to your seeker, I swear to God, just throw the ball, please. Like, I mean. Like you have no idea how many times the I um like a beater like uh, that I'm beating with that's that's not Daniel, right? This can be like either one of my girl beaters or my other guy beater. Um, like they will just let that person run by them for free. Like, right? just I look at them and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you, you know, you're just you're letting this happen. Like you're letting the beater go to our seeker and. I don't like. I do. I can't understand that thought process. Like, you know, play aggressive, get in there, make a throw. That's that's all. Oh, please, like for the for the sake of the game, please.
0: Having a working thalamus really helps for snitch on pitch. Let me just say. Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: You know, Got to filter that info. Oh man. Well, all right. I want to think. I think that's all the time we have. Thank you for coming on so much. It's been a lot of fun. I feel like I'm learning a lot, and I hope that the listeners have learned a lot as well.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, uh, it was it was good to be on here. I'm glad that we can talk about some minor, more the more important things about beating that some people don't necessarily know about quite yet. So, I mean, that was that was really cool. To help people learn i mean that's what i like to do contrary to popular belief i actually care about people and want them to be better
0: <laughs> well uh you heard it here first folks jonathan christ garcia a uh, philanthropist
1: <laughs> that's right i care about you and your skill level yes. so please be better
0: all right good stuff all right well i'm uh signing off for jonathan garcia and myself Elihu Enriquez. thank you for listening and uh i'll see you around on the quidditch pitch
1: later guys Right. lsqc uh i mean i i love their chant i love their chances day one who ha, get some baby how do you not like that oh my god it's the best chant ever oh my god